Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Sheila Zielinski Show. It is Thursday, January 10th, 2019, and boy, it's good to have 2018 in the rearview mirror, isn't it? I hope this is a very blessed new year for everyone, and I'm excited about a 2019 project, SWAT Prayer. This is powerful groups of prayer warriors across North America. I want to see them in all 50 states, and I certainly want to see them in every province in Canada and even branch out around the globe. It's a very exciting initiative. And if you want to become a part of SWAT, well, I hope you are signed up for my free e-newsletter because we're going to be sending out more updates on SWAT. And by the way, we have the website up and running. It is just simply SWAT prayer.com s-w-a-t prayer.com it's under construction right now but be watching for updates on SWAT prayer and boy is that ever an exciting initiative so go back into the podcast and check out the under 10 minute show I did a real quick update on what's happening with that so go back in the archives and do check that out go to sheila.media that's Sheila. Media. Click on archives and you can listen to the latest podcast. I want to jump right into the program because we have a fantastic guest. He is a good friend of the program. He is a prolific scriptorian, such an incredible evangelist, hence the name of his ministry, The Voice of Evangelism. It is the one, the only Pastor David Langford. It is such a pleasure to have him back on the program. Pastor Langford, welcome back to the show. It is a pleasure, sir. Thank you, Sheila. I'm very honored and humbled for your gracious words, and it's a great joy to be with you. To start this new year off, 2019, it looks like gridlock has already began in our nation, America, and uh, things are not looking very well, and, and it is a time of deception, and I'm concerned uh, that people need to be so careful and so cautious to whom and what they're listening to, because that is the purpose and the intent of Satan deceiving. And every victory that he makes or accomplishes is based upon deception. It began in the garden, it continues to this day, and his victories are simply based on the deception that we embrace as believers or even non-believers. Non-believers can also be deceived as well. Yeah, and that ties in with really, I guess, the theme of this program is the age of deception that we live in. We've got a hot political climate. We're going to talk a little bit about Trump's Oval Office address, which was so powerful, but how it ties in with a lot of the mindset of a lot of these evangelicals that, hey, I don't want to get involved in politics. I don't really want to offend anyone. I could care less what's going on politically. But these are things that affect us on a daily basis. Jesus said, occupy until I come, not sit around and sing kumbaya while Rome burns around us. It not only says to not have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but it says to reprove them, to expose them, other versions say. I mean, we're living in the last days here, and the time for worrying about offending people, that's over. Well, absolutely. And throughout the scriptures, you know, Jesus, he had so many words about deception. Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, he said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians two seventeen, he said, For we are not as many which corrupt the gospel of God. And then in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, Paul said again, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, talking about the coming of the Lord. That day shall not come, except they're coming to fall away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And so 
deception is rampant in every sense of the word. It's in our government. It's in our politicians. Regretfully, the most damage is done behind the pulpit. You know, I read an article one time, a man was saying, if I were the devil, where could I be the most effective? He said, in the pulpit. Because we know the devil has the, the pornography shops, the bars, the nightclubs, all of those things. He's got that in his hand. So where would he put his emphasis? Where would he spend his energies? It would be to try to negatively affect the church, the body of Christ. And regretfully, these hirelings have crept in subtly. Paul used the term there in Galatians chapter 2, that they came in privately. And that word privately in the Greek, if you're ready for this, means stealthily, like a stealth bomber. They came in, they disseminated their false doctrine information, and what does it do? It corrupts the body of Christ. Galatians 2, 4, and because of false brethren, unawares, brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So that's a, you know almost an oxymoron. Paul said, false brethren. If a, someone is a falsehood, they're not my brother, but they come in so privately or stealthily there that they appear to be brethren, but they are false brethren. And they, of course, are deceivers themselves. Paul used that term again in 2 Corinthians 11 and 13, false apostles and deceitful workers. So it's regretfully permeated the, the entirety of the church. So we go back to Matthew 13. Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares. So he says, let them grow together, and then when he returns, the angels will separate the wheat from the tares. They bind, they bundle, then they burn the tares, and the wheat is gathered into the garner or the barn. We're watching this right now, and every day I, I search my heart to make sure I'm trying to live according to to the Word of God. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned a scripture there, and isn't it interesting you picked 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. Of course, today we're talking about deception. You mentioned that Paul said there for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers. But here's the kicker, masquerading as, get this, apostles of Jesus Christ. It's an interesting thing Jeremiah says in 9, 6, in their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge me. And of course, if you go down a few chapters in Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. So really, the Bible talks a lot about deception, doesn't it? Absolutely. You brought out a very valid point there about the false apostles, deceitful workers, because Jude said in verse 17, But beloved, remember ye the words which was spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what he's saying there is, you need to listen to the apostles of Jesus Christ. So who are those apostles? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, etc. Those are the apostles. Those are the ones we should be embracing because I question so many today who are self-appointed apostles. We know the church is built, according to Ephesians 2, on the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And from there we build up the rest of the ministry, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. So it's it's a very dangerous thing to take on that self-appointment saying, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an apostle. Well, one of the first requirements of a true, genuine apostle was to have seen Christ personally or visibly. And of course, Paul talks about 500, 1 Corinthians 15, that saw Christ personally. And he said, some are dead, but many of them remain to this day when he was writing that epistle. So there are the genuine apostles, and then there are the false apostles, and regretfully, they're doing damage 
to the church, the body of Christ. And that was the reason for this conference, the age of deception. Uh, Never before has there been more deception, more duplicity. Congressmen, senators, uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life, the hypocrisy. That's what they foment, is the hypocrisy, because they are deceitful. I mean, Nancy Pelosi made the statement that a wall was immoral. (laughs) I mean, she is striving with the presidency. Because she said she was as co-equal as the president. Well, for that to happen, the president has to be killed or, or die. And then the vice president would have to be killed or die. And then she would come in as the Speaker of the House. But it, that's why they separate the two men all the time. Because if the president were to be killed, then the vice president would take his place. And I don't know the exact protocol historically, but as soon as the vice president is appointed and sworn in as the president, he then selects a vice president. My point is, she's coveting that presidency already when she makes the statement, I am equal with the president. That's not true. If she were, you'd have a two-headed monster. You can only have one president at a time, but yet she covets that because she said she would deal with his manhood. And again, the, the evil is just, it's off the scales. Yeah, it sure is. And which is really why we want to talk a little bit about this incredibly important conference where people are going to get ministered to because there's a lot of conferences that give information and that's great. But there's very few big gatherings where the body of Christ is actually getting ministered to because boy, oh boy, there is a lot going on. And I think this event is so different from the rest. It's not just about information. It's about transformation. Absolutely. The conference is about ministry. The only person there that will be a a non-Christian speaking is Hugo DeGarris. And he's on the precipice of coming to an encounter with God himself. You know, in Branson, he went to the podium and he said, I once was an atheist. He said, now I'm an agnostic. After his presentation, and he saw the response of the congregation there, when we got behind stage, he said, "I, I think I'm becoming a deist. And I said, Hugo, I said, you're on a head-on collision course with Almighty God. That's your next encounter with God himself. Because he talks about the smell of design, the molecular makeup of a human body, the cells, and all of the things. And he says there's an intelligent design out there, and what he's missing is God. So our objective is to minister to the people. And I told Steve Quayle, I said, Steve, can you imagine if Hugo came to this conference and got saved, born again, what kind of an impact could he have on the world with his PhD knowledge. It would be off the charts. Yeah, we'll be praying for that because he is a brilliant researcher. I mean, his his vast knowledge of artificial intelligence is unbelievable. The use of genetic algorithms to evolve these neural networks. The man wrote the Artelec War. He's just an incredibly brilliant man. And boy, oh boy, wouldn't that be amazing for him to uh, step over from, you know, atheist to agnostic to born again believer. But you know, I mean, this is really scary where we're going. Of course, I cover this in my book, Technogeddon. I hope to have it out this year. But I mean, I cover the DNA splicing and dicing that's already going on. They want to make us into cyborgs. It's a a Days of Noah 2.0 return of the unsanctioned hybrids. We are made in the likeness and image of God. and, And this agenda, you know, no one bats an eye at any of the stuff that's going on, like Sophia, the first robot citizen, and and the demon bots, the slaughter bots, the sex bots, nobody's batting an eye over this stuff. But let me tell you something, it's a very frightening thing when we're moving away from even being human anymore. That to me is frightening. And it's not coming, folks. It's here now. 
Well, when he made his presentation, you know, he said if you put human intelligence on a scale of 1 to 10, and human intelligence is 10, he said artificial intelligence is at a 7, 7 and a half. In 7 to 8 years, he expects artificial intelligence to be equivalent to human intelligence. Now, what will make that so real is the ability to reason. Machines, artificial intelligence doesn't have the ability yet. They have to some degree. But when you get to the point that you can reason and you can say, okay, if I do this, this is the reaction. It's more than information. It's, it's something that God put in man, the ability to reason, to think, to contemplate, to ruminate, to meditate. Well, a machine does not do that. It is a reactionary machine. You give it two plus two, and it says the number's four. It doesn't have the ability to yet reason, but we're getting there. And when you look at Daniel chapter two, I've, I've looked at that verse for many years. And I've often wondered how, when, where, and what, but now I'm beginning to see what Daniel was talking about there in Daniel 2 and 43, and whereas thou sawest iron, let's call it steel, mixed with miry clay, human people, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So I've often thought about that. Now I can see that verse coming to pass as men mingle steel, transhumanism, hybrids, mix and mingle that with the seed of men. If you look at creation and how God did things, it's like a, it's like a woman with an egg. The women have eggs, men have seed. So what happens is, I want to share this little thing I read some weeks ago. It is now definitely known that the blood which flows in unborn babies' arteries and veins is not derived from the mother, but is produced within the body of the fetus itself only after the introduction of the male sperm. An unfertilized ovum can never develop blood since the female egg does not itself contain the elements essential for the production of this blood. It is only after the male element has entered the ovum that blood can develop. As a very simple illustration of this, think of the egg of a hen. An unfertilized egg is just an ovum. You may incubate this unfertilized hen's egg, but it will never develop. It will decay. It will become rotten. No chick will result. Let the egg be fertilized by the introduction of male sperm, and incubation will bring to light the presence of life in that egg. After a few hours, it is visibly seeable. In a little while, red streaks occur in the egg, denoting the presence of blood. This can never occur and does never occur until the male sperm has united with the female egg. Wow. So this is amazing how that it always talks about the seed, Genesis 3.15, between thee and thy seed, when he's talking to the serpent. Isaac was the promised seed. If you are the seed of Abraham, then are ye Christ. So it's where that life comes once it's initiated. So when I, I read that years ago, I'm like, I don't really understand this. But now, as I watch them do this, I say, this is now possible. You know, there's a movie coming out this weekend called Replica. Yeah. I just saw it advertised on the television, but it's about a woman getting killed, and I suppose it's her husband or whatever, and he uses artificial intelligence and brings her back. But it's not, it's not her. She has no soul. And whatever they create here, whatever they manifest here, will not be soulish. It will be without a soul because God confers life. And so out of all of creation, the only thing that... God breathed into himself personally was into the nostrils of man. And that's why we have a soul. And of course, it carries on through procreation. And so every man, and that, that's why people struggle 
and they look to drugs, they look to alcohol, they look to pornography, now they're into the sex dolls. They're looking for fulfillment. They can't find it because the soul of man is so vast. Only God can fill the void because it is God that created that void when he breathed into man. So all the drugs, all the alcohol, all the promiscuity, all the pornography, none of that ever satisfies. You cannot satisfy lust. Love quenches all natural thirst and emotional thirst. Lust can never quench it. It wants more and more and more, but is never satisfied. Yes, that's so profound. And there's a scripture somewhere in Proverbs 27 that talks about death and destruction. They're never satisfied, and neither are the human eyes. You know, it reminds me of so many scriptures, like in Romans and Galatians, where it talks about sowing to the flesh. You know, you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit of the living God, you're going to reap eternal life. So it also reminds me of this arrogant quest to become like God's. What did Satan promise in the garden? Right off the hopper, what did he say? Ye shall become as gods. And that actually reminds me of this movie that you brought up, Replica. You know, you've got this brilliant neuroscientist. He's working on recreating the human brain. Oh, yeah, right. It's just for Alzheimer's research. This stuff is always under the guise of we want to try to help people that have dementia and Alzheimer's. So here this guy is recreating. Think about that for a sec. We're made in the image and likeness of God. It's kind of like we're a snippet of the original. If you walk into a carpet store and you want to bring home a little piece of that original carpet to look at the color or whatever in your home, it's kind of like that. We're a little piece off the original, and they're, they're never going to replicate this. Well, here, here's what's really amazing. Men are seeking eternal life without God. Mm, that's good. They want this artificial intelligence, whatever that it might be, whatever it might consist of, so that they can have eternal life. But here's what's amazing. During the Great Tribulation period, Revelation 9 and 6 says, And in those days men shall seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Death will flee them. They, they'll want to die. Now they want life, eternal life, without God. They'll never acquire it. They'll never obtain it. But then because of the misery, the pain, the sorrow, they'll want to die, and death says, I'm sorry, I'm going to escape. And they're trying to create something to deliver themselves now, and they can't, but they think they will. I, I said to someone the other day, you remember the, the, all the talk about CERN. Yeah. If you could find the guard particle, you could then contain it. You could put it in a box. You could identify it totally. You'll never put God in a box. You'll never identify God in his deity. It's impossible. When you read Revelation chapter 5, we see the Lamb that comes and takes the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne. But you never see who's on the throne. That's the Father. But you never see him. I've come to the conclusion the Father is what people would say karma or Mother Nature. He's that electrifying power that's everywhere all the time. I was reading something today in John chapter 5. I spent about eight hours today in Bible study. Jesus said in John 5 and 37, And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. So who, who is God? Every time we see a manifestation of God, it was through Jesus Christ. Moses said the same thing in Deuteronomy 4.15. He said the reason God did not manifest himself to you was lest you go and try to make an image like unto him. Mm -hmm. And that is an abomination. That is a corruptible thing. And I never tied the two together till today in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. But Jesus said, ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Philip said, show us the Father. He, said, he told Philip, he said, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the heart 
of the Father. He's the manifestation of, of what we know as God, see? And then he goes on in John 5, and he says, all judgment the Father has put in my hands. So that's why the judgment will be just. And that's, that's another area where we grapple to understand God, his humanity slash divinity at the same time. Throughout the scriptures, he refers to himself, son of man. What did Satan call him in the wilderness, in the temptation? He said, son of God. If thou be the son of God, command these stones. So you got the son of God, that's his deity. You got the son of man, that's his humanity. And so as human beings, we're grappling, trying to get our head around all this. And I'm going to tell you what, we'll never do it. We'll never understand the fullness of God in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead. Paul said, in Jesus. It's all in him, but yet there's more of it. If, I could, if that makes sense, you could put an Atlantic Ocean in a cup or a gallon jug and say, that's the Atlantic Ocean. That's just a part of it. But look at how much more is out there in the ocean. But all, that, all that's in that gallon jug is Atlantic water. So we're trying to get our heads around God, and, and this is what man's doing. He's, he, he's conniving. He thinks he's becoming like God, as you well said in Genesis 3. You're going to be like God, but he's, that's where the deception comes in. You cannot come, become that without God in your life. Yeah, it's kind of like this. I watched this uh, episode of Black Mirror on Netflix where this woman, her husband dies and she recreates him in a bathtub. It's a long story, but it's this version of her husband, but it's just like this dead soulless version. And it really makes it, it, it's a very creepy episode, but robots and cyborgs and all these hybrid versions of whatever, all this stuff is missing one thing. They don't have a soul. I'll give a little snippet of, of my message on Sunday morning about what is the soul, where is the soul. You can, you can exhume a body, uh, you can dissect it, and you can search and you'll never find the soul. It's, it's not something you, you can't identify. You can't, you can't see the conscious, but we know it's there because God says you have one. So I've concluded through my biblical studies the soul is in the blood. Leviticus 17:11 for the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Soul. And then Isaiah 53, 12 says, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. What poured out of Christ? His blood. He poured out his soul unto death. He gave everything he had in redeeming us. And so this is why it takes his blood to redeem us. If you scratch yourself on your little toe, you know what will come forth? Blood. If you scratch the lobe of your ear deep enough, you'll see blood. But when Adam and Eve ingested that forbidden fruit, when they ingested that, something happened to their blood system. I look at it like a medication, the efficacious work, desired effect. Well, the desired effect was to corrupt man. So now his whole blood system has become corrupt. And because of that, every instrument of our body can become an instrument of evil. Now, how do we know that? We know that according to Paul's writings to the church at Rome in Romans 6, 12 through 14. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. So we have the ability to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness, even down to our sexuality. My mouth can curse or it can magnify God. My hands can smite or my hands can bless. My hands can pick up a glass of a cola or a, a bottle of liquor. My lips can toke on a joint or give blessings and kisses. Every instrument of our body can become an instrument of unrighteousness. And, and all this began to come to me in, in understanding the significance of the blood. And, and this is why it took his blood, the God-man, to redeem us 
back to the Father because something happened to the blood in the garden when they ingested that fruit, whatever that it might be. There's all sorts of people said what it might be. But the point is, man does not have true freedom until he's in a position where he can choose to do opposite of what God wants him to do. In other words, if God says, you know, you, you, I'm going to put you in this garden, you're going to obey me whether you like it or not. That's not the way God did it. He put him in the garden. He put two trees, the tree of life, and the tree of good, and the tree of evil. They had a choice. And the devil duped them. He deceived them. That shining serpent, glistening, deceived Eve and convinced her she could be just like God. They had everything. What more was there to obtain? Satan's objective was disobedience. And how did he get them to disobey God? Through deception. The fact that they, or I should say Eve, the Bible makes it clear, Adam was not deceived, but Adam transgressed. Some theologians believe he ate the fruit with her so she would not die alone. Because he knew the consequence. He knew the consequences of partaking of that fruit. You shall surely die. Because she was deceived, she partook and she ate. Some believe he ate with her so she would not die alone because he said she's flesh of my flesh, she's bone of my bone. So, you know, I, I want people that are listening to get both the spiritual application here and what we're trying to do in the conference because I appreciate all the conferences, but I'm telling you, we've got to get to the place it's heaven or hell. There's no middle ground. There's no toying with this thing. I want to hear Jesus say, well done. The actor the other day made the statement. He said, I was inspired by Satan. Yeah, boy. I, I mean, it, this is unbelievable how perverse humanity's becoming. I mean, it's, it's open in your face. And I seen the other day they added another letter to the acronym LGBTQ. I think it was P. I don't even know what the P stands for now, but I'm thinking this thing is getting longer and longer. I think the P is for perversion. Yeah. That'd be like you saying to me today, Sheila, your telephone is actually a golf club. I, I want you to tell me that you believe that. And I'm saying, but Sheila, it is a telephone. Look at it. No, no, no. Pastor David, it is a golf club. And if you don't admit that, you're in the wrong. And that's what they're doing. There was a professor at Virginia just the other week. There was a girl in there, or a guy, forgetting out which one they were trying to be, but they were purporting to be a transgender. And if, if it was a girl, she said, I'm a guy. And she said, I want you to call me a he. He said, I'm not going to do that because you're a girl. Oh, yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the other way around. It was the, the weirdo dude that was tell, screaming at the clerk, oh, I'm a ma'am, M-A-M, not M-A-N. Yeah, that went viral, and he was just insisting that even though he's this big, hulking guy, he was screaming at the guy, how dare he call him a sir? Yeah, and, and so they fired him. But thank God the students protested and said they're not going back to class till they rehire him. But see, they were making him declare something that was a lie. This is where we're going to be put to the test ourselves, whether we deny Christ or we embrace Christ. And this is where the devil is bringing us. That's why you have the doctrine of confession, Matthew ten thirty two. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever therefore shall deny me before men, him will I deny also before my Father which is in heaven. And then when you get to Revelation 3 and 5, Jesus said, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his holy angels. So that's the doctrine of confession. And so, you know, we're going to be brought to a place. Are we going to confess? the truth? 
or are we going to let the world warp us, manipulate us, deceive us, and say, you know what, that guy really is a woman. He, he just looks like a guy. So, yeah, I'm going to say he's a woman because that's what they're telling me to say because he claims he's a transgender. We can't do that. That's how you get deceived in believing heresy and fallacy. And, man, that spirit is running rampant around the world. Yeah, boy, you got that right. These spirits that are spirits of deception, but they're blinding the eyes of people. And, you know, which is why the church is in such the mess that it is with all the apostasy. Because isn't that just like Satan's M.O., deception, the chicanery, you know, twisting what God says, just subtle little nuances, you know, perverting what God really said. And it really reminds me of in the garden when Satan said to Eve in Genesis 3, 4 there, the serpent serpent said to Eve, you're not going to die. Come on. What do you, God said you're going to die. Come on. And that's really where we're at because ever since the fall of man, what is Satan using? He's using trickery, deception. It's just like this guy insisting he's a guy, but he's saying he's a woman. It's like, woe to those calling good evil and evil good, right? You hit the nail on the head. That That's exactly uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 12. That is exactly what they're doing. They're putting bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter, light for darkness, and darkness for light. They're twisting everything backwards. And one of the great revelations God gave me, and it's just not a reflection on women or castigating or impinging women, but Eve had everything she needed or whatever want, but the devil manipulated her. Not only did she not get what he promised, she lost everything she had. So for the most part, women look for affirmation. Do you like my hair? Do you like my shoes? Do you like this dress? Guys don't do that. We don't ask another guy, hey man, you like these shoes? I mean, we may some time, but as a general rule, we don't do that. So the Lord showed me He created that void, that vacuity in her. And now from that point onward, most women want to be be affirmed in some capacity. You know, tell me how I look. Tell me me this, tell me that. And he, he got that into her spirit because of what he told her, and she believed his lie. If you tell a child, I'm going to the store, and they say, well, I want to go to the store with you, Daddy. No. Well, bring me back something. Okay, I'll bring you back something. When you come back and you walk through that door, the first thing that child says, what did you get me? Because they believe what you told them. So you better come back with a, a candy bar or something or trinket or a little toy because they they put their faith in what you said. I'll bring you something back. And that's how they respond. You know, this is the trickery of the devil. Second Corinthians 2.11, Paul said, Lest Satan should get an advantage of, of, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is where we've got to be in the truth. Because people today are becoming ignorant of his devices, just like the transgender ideology. That's a device. It's not real. It's convoluted. It's twisted. But he gets advantage of innocent people by getting them to believe these fallacies. And then he just says, that's another one deceived, and he moves on to the next person. It's a tragedy that's growing exponentially every day. And then you look at some of these spineless pastors that they're not preaching the full counsel, preachers with their little scarves and their pink shirts. And I mean, look around, look at these strong, rugged men of yesteryear and the pastors, they would thunder away in the pulpit. There would be a reverence to God. There'd be true repentance and and conversion. And nowadays, I mean, these glorified 
social clubs and, and mega churches with these CEO pastor hirelings. You got men trying to be women, women trying to be men, men competing against women. It's just pure insanity. And you know what the beauty of God's creation is? Men can do the things that women can't, and women can do things men can't. Trust me. I've seen a few men on the phone trying to multitask. And sorry, guys, but men cannot multitask. No. And, and that's the uniqueness. Men are the sole lovers of women. Women are the sole lovers of men. But now we've got women competing with women and men competing with men. And, you know, it's amazing. And I know this will offend some people, but that's all right. Always in those relationships, whether it's lesbians or, or homosexual men, somebody plays the female role or the male role. And God's done took care of that in the natural. But yet you see that role model playing and one is subjected to the other. And God has divinely and sovereignly made it correct. But this is where the deception, I'm telling you when Jesus reiterated it time after time in Matthew 24, take heed that no man deceive you. Again, I was watching a, a television program the other day and they had the Bud Light commercial and the closing words were, this is for many and not for the few. And that struck me. Many goes into the wide gate, few enter in at the straight gate. And I thought the subtleness of that. And then the AT&T commercial where there's two men there and they're getting ready to go out on a date as husband and wife. And the girl says, what's their, her bedtime, 11 o'clock? No, 8 o'clock. And she asks the other guy, well, what's your child's bedtime? This is how subtly they're doing this. I mean, you can see it plain as day. It's, it's just pure old homosexuality. And men can, two men cannot procreate. So they have to try to work for adoption. And then the laws of the land are allowing the perversions. And so America as a nation is becoming so polluted. And, you know, I don't think people understand how dangerous, how tenuous with Trump on a national emergency. Uh, Something bad could come out of this with our government. Yeah, these Democrats are not working in good faith with, with Trump at all. And what is um what is Lindsey Graham saying? It's time for Trump to declare a national emergency for the border wall. I mean, things are really heating up here. But you'll appreciate this. I said heaven has a wall and extreme vetting. Hell has open borders. <laughs> You're exactly right. There's 12 walls, 12 foundations, 12 gates. The reason being the city's four square. And this is to keep the wicked from ever entering into that city. He says, and there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And and so why does he build this New Jerusalem? It's for the church, the body of Christ, but those kind of people are not allowed to go in there, see? And so, yeah, there's there's a reason for that. Nehemiah reestablished the wall, but to say things like Pelosi says immoral. And what this is all about, as you well know, it's about good and evil. Yeah. Trump is trying to do good. And I understand the pontificating and the, the verbiage, we're going to make Mexico build the wall. That's, that's pomp, that's pride, that's arrogance. But he's trying to take care of America. So he's trying to do the right thing. And all righteousness is is doing the right thing. Look at look at the root word of the word righteousness, the first five letters, R-I-G-H-T. It's doing the right thing. No matter where you are, what you are, no matter what the circumstance or situation, your conscience says, I've got to do the right thing. I can't take that. I can't say that. I can't deceive that person. I can't lie to them. And that means you're doing the right thing. Your consciousness towards God is good. And when you have a good conscience toward God, Paul said, your life is a lot more peaceful, a lot more restful. Why? Because you, you 
don't have to worry about, oh, what did I say? What did I do? Did, did, I, did I put down this number or another number? Or did I take that or did I not take it? Liars and deceivers always trying to cover their steps. But it is needful. Uh, go to any other country in the world. Go to Iran and try to enter in. Go to North Korea, try to enter in. Go to Turkey, try to enter in like that. They'll kill you. If they don't kill you, they'll arrest you and put you in prison. There's the right way. They call it asylum. Well, you know what? You ever heard of an insane asylum? They misconstrue the truth. And then, of course, the truth is we have to house these people, clothe these people, school these people, feed these people. They take part of our infrastructure when they travel, whatever the case might be. And it costs tens of billions of dollars to do all of this. If you had a wall, that would save our nation tens of billions of dollars at the end of the day. I mean, we've got 10 million, they claim, illegal immigrants in America. Look at, look at the strain and the stress they put on humanity in, in, our, in our nation, in our system. But it's sad. And all he's trying to do is the right thing, but they hate him without a cause, just like they hated Jesus. And that day's coming to the church. And the church, for the most part, is going to flip-flop. They're going to concede. They're going to capitulate because they're not ingrained in God's Word, and the Spirit of God does not dwell in them in the way it needs to dwell. I've said this so many times, when a man or a woman, especially ministers, when they get in the prayer chamber with God, and they spend an hour in prayer with God, they come out with a fervency. They come out with the heart of God. So when they go to the pulpit, they have that, thus saith the Lord. That's what their mentality is. They've, they've touched God. God has touched them. And all they're doing is conveying the heart of God. That's why we're called ambassadors. An ambassador goes to a country, he just conveys the heart of the president. This is, this is where we are from the presidency. You know, John Bolton, he's been an ambassador, Nikki Haley, they're just telling you how it is from the president's perspective. Well, Christians who have spent time in God's presence, they just tell you how it is. And there's so much hypocrisy. My son was working, with, he works with a guy, and God bless his heart, he has a, he has a Baptist indoctrination. And he told my son Monday, he said, yeah, Saturday night I knocked out a half a pint of wild turkey, or half a fifth of wild turkey. And he's, he's a layman. He said, my pastor called me, said he was sick, said, you got to preach Sunday morning. And then my son said, well, what did you do? He said, well, I got up and preached Sunday morning. And he said, after knocking out a half a fifth of liquor Saturday night, he said, yeah. So said, I never missed wow. a lick. <laughs> and I thought, this is where we are. This is where we are. That's not right. I don't care what anybody says, that is not right. Yeah, but people are deceived into thinking that, hey, just anything goes. People have no discernment. You know, I was thinking about when you're talking about those homosexuals. Isn't that amazing? The LGBTQRSTUV, whatever that is. I mean, it is just unbelievable how all these agendas are really, they're anti-procreation. You know, you take the, the climate change agenda that I've written a book on, Green Gospel. I mean, everything is about getting rid of these useless eaters. Ooh, we better not give the great goddess Gaia a fever, Al Gore. But ties back in with Satan galled contempt for humanity. Again, look at the sex bots. Hey, if men don't have women, they're not going to procreate. If you're gay, you're not going to procreate. And then the kicker, the big one, oh, just have an abortion because, you know, the shedding of innocent blood, that's so trendy. It's just rotten, filthy immorality. And the left calls the border wall immoral. What a three ring circus with these crypt keepers. You know, 
Dimitri Dudeman asked God why he deemed America Babylon. And he said God told him in one of those prophecies, he said, because you bring in all these foreigners and you let them bring their false gods in with you. That nasty mouth congressman from Michigan, that woman, she put her hand on the Quran. She swore in with the Quran. Yeah. And, uh, she, I mean, just pure filth. I, I want to say something. You brought something up that's been really speaking to my heart. Well, all these climate people, and I, I don't believe any of that stuff. And I'm going to tell you why. Because of what my Bible tells me. You know, at the end of the flood, in the eighth chapter of Genesis, that chapter is even named, the flood ends, and God makes another declaration. And in Genesis 8 and 22, he said, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now, I, I do believe that there are cycles. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, uh, 12 years old, it snowed every Wednesday for a month. That was the most bizarre thing because we missed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of school. And we would go on Mondays and Tuesdays, then we had to go to school almost all summer long to get all the makeup days. But that was like an anomaly, an aberration. But God's not a fool in his creation. He's not stupid. He's not ignorant. And it's men. See, this is the, this is the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Mm-hmm. However they do it. But that's their mindset. But God said, wait a minute, while the earth remaineth, and if the Lord were to come right now, right now tonight, which he's not going to come tonight, tomorrow, next week, or next year, but if he were, then the earth would remain as we know it for another thousand years. And in Revelation 21:1, after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, followed by the great white throne judgment, Revelation 21:1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So the, the earth is going to remain as it is now, because the Word of God says that. And that's not me. I'm no scientist. I'm no meteorologist. I'm no climatologist. But I'm just telling what the Word of God says. And see, what, what is all this from? Deception. Deception. Trying to trick us into believing things. You know, God put all these trees. I live out in the country. All these trees out here, they put off ox. You know, God's got this thing under control. But it's like Al Gore and his, you know, pushing less energy and solar energy and all that. But he flies around in a jet airplane burning tens of thousands of gallons of, of diesel fuel for a jet plane. It don't make sense. That's right, because these people are total hypocrites. The same mindless minions that, that live in these gated communities. They live behind walls and borders and gates and fences and have armed bodyguards. They're always talking about how, ooh, guns are so bad, and yet they're walking around with these big bodyguards armed to the teeth. <laughs> it's just, uh, the, their hypocrisy knows no bounds. But switching gear a little bit, take a little time and talk about why this upcoming April event in North Carolina is going to be so powerful and how it's a great, incredible opportunity for believers who always send me emails talking about leaving their church, talking about not having fellowship. It's a great way to connect like-minded believers, too. Absolutely. We're, I, I bought a cork board, and we're going to put up a large map, and we're going to put push pens up. People can designate where they're from. But the reason I wanted to do this conference, I want to minister to people. People are hurting. Their lives are in shambles. People are physically broken. Their lives are decimated. Broken homes, broken marriages, broken families. Families. And the men that I'm bringing in are seasoned men of God. Steve will be there, of course, but the rest of the men are ministers. They're ordained ministers in different denominations. I got Church of God, I got UPC. As you go, I felt the need to bring him in. First of all, for him to share his understanding of what's going on, and hopefully God will 
touch his heart, and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost will redeem him. But I've got Russ Dizdar, Steve Quayle, Irvin Baxter, great, great man of God, end time ministries. Uh, I'm going to speak twice. Russ is going to speak twice, and Brother Baxter is going to speak twice. Of course, I've got Joe and Doug Hagman. They're coming. We're going to have a discussion. But I want to minister to the people because people need to be edified. And this will help bring people up out of the doldrums, encourage them, and build their faith. And we chose this place over here in Hickory. It can expand to 2,250 people. And you've got about seven or eight motels within two-tenths of a mile, so everyone can walk. Most of them have buffet breakfast. And you've got Interstate I-26, Interstate I-40, Interstate I-77, Interstate I-85. It is so accessible, it's unbelievable. And I have people say, well, why don't y'all do something on the East Coast instead of going to the middle of the country? Well, now we're doing it. And it's my prayer that people will respond and respond quickly so we can prepare accordingly. Don't wait till the last minute, folks. Go to our website, thevoiceofevangelism.com, register ASAP, because I'll either shrink the building down or bring it to full fruition at 2,250 people. But we've done it, and, and the motels now run anywhere between like 65 and $90 is what the cost is. And the cost, of course, registration is $100, and that's to pay for the sound system. That's to pay for the video recording, and that's to pay for renting the building. And, of course, we take care of the speakers on honorarium and their motel bills. That's what the restoration money goes for. We're not trying to make money. We're trying to minister. So I want people to understand why, because it takes a lot to put on something of this magnitude, and we're not doing it for the money, but we're doing it because we love people. We've tried to make it as advantageous that we possibly can, and I, too, uh, would love to do it yearly and minister, because like you said, Sheila, I don't know how much time we have. I'm, I'm concerned. Uh, we've already started our nation off. America started off already in gridlock. Parts of the government is shut down. That's not a good sign uh, for this nation, neither for the economy, and for a lot of people who work for the government are not getting paychecks. It's, it's a terrible time. If you look at it in the natural, in the world, bankers are saying, you know, the global growth is going to slow. And I've told people for years, now you need to be putting up the things you use daily, toothpaste, deodorant, soap. Inflation is going to hit sooner or later. And when it does, everything's going to go off the charts as far as cost. But that's how the devil is going to do this is through deception, and then it'll cost a day's wages for a loaf of bread, the Bible says. And so we're trying to prepare and prepare with pragmatism. Yeah, we do need to prepare and prepare spiritually too, which it really includes prayer. Prayer is so powerful. There is so much going on. We are in a new year. It's 2019. Pastor Langford, would you take some time to pray here at the end of the program? And also, could you please talk about this upcoming fast as well, sir? Thank you. I most certainly will, and let me say this before I pray. From uh, this coming Sunday, I think it's the 13th through February the 3rd, we set aside 21 days. I don't know that I'll fast the whole 21 days. I'll be 64 years old next month. It takes its toll on my body, so maybe only 14 days this time for myself. But nevertheless, from January the 13th to February the 3rd is a 21-day period, and I'm asking those who will fast and pray, do so, uh, and God will reward you, whether it's one day or two days or ten days. Do what you can, and God will honor. And we live in that hour, Matthew 17. 21, this kind goeth not but by prayer and by fasting. We've got to put prayer and fasting together, and that will touch the heart of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Sheila, first of all, tonight, her program, her listeners, and her willingness to bring me on to share the gospel of Christ. 
Father, you know there is such evil in the earth right now. It is an evil time, just like it was in Genesis chapter 6. And man's heart is on wickedness continually. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, your only begotten Son, and by the manifest power of the Holy Ghost, that you would touch the hearts of every listener. I don't know who they are and where they are, but your eye is upon every one of them. Holy Ghost, I pray that you would touch them. I pray that the love of God would pervade and permeate their hearts. And God, they would come to a reality that knowing you, serving you, loving you is more important than gaining the things of this world and the riches therein. I pray for every home. I pray for every marriage. I pray for every husband, every wife, every mom, every dad, every son, every daughter. I pray for them, Lord, because we were all made in your image and in your likeness. Father, I ask you to bless Sheila's programming, anoint her with fresh oil to speak the truth, and that the truth, which is the word of God, would never return void, but accomplish that which will please you and prosper in the thing whereinto that you send it. And God, if I could petition you for anything, help me, help her, Sheila, to win souls for the kingdom of God. For he that winneth souls is wise. And God, that's why we want to win souls, because we want to be wise. We want to understand and know the signs of the times and know what we ought to do as we approach the near return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'll grace this conference with your presence, that your anointing would break chains and shackles and fetters. You'll set people free from vices and habits and from things that hold them hostage. Lord, you'll break every chain, and I'll ask it humbly, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We humbly pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Pastor Langford. And just very quickly, give the folks just a few little tips on fasting, because one of my pet peeves is when people say they're going to fast social media. It just really is one of my pet peeves. So can you talk about that a little bit, please, some some pointers? Any fasting point- it literally means, means to abstain from food. Jesus didn't have television to fast. Jesus didn't have internet, so he fasted without eating. Daniel, they did that. And I would just encourage people to pray and say, Lord, lay on my heart one day, two day, three day. Whether it's a Daniel fast, it's a fast on water. You know, Esther fasted three days and three nights, did not drink water. I've tried that fast. I I couldn't finish it without about a quarter cup of water. I was dehydrated. Hardest fast in my life. And I've been on a 40-day fast, but I, I drank water. But yes, whatever you feel led of the Lord... You honor God, 1 Samuel 2.30. If you honor God, God said, I will honor you, and I want God's honor on my life. Amen. We should all strive for that. Pastor Langford, thank you so much for coming on the program, taking the time out. What a what a very powerful show. And I'm really excited to see what God is going to do in April in North Carolina. I've got details linked below. Pastor, thank you so much for coming on the program. Come back and see us soon. And... We hope you have an amazing 2019 full of God's blessings. You're a real blessing to us. So thank you, sir, and God bless. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Folks, that was Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com is the website. That's thevoiceofevangelism.com. It's down there in the description below. There's also an instant link to the Age of Deception Conference. If you're anywhere near North Carolina or you just want to just get out and meet some incredible men and women of God, hey, maybe you've left a church. Maybe you're really wanting to connect with other like-minded believers. Well, 
he talked about that board that they're going to put up. They did that years ago at the Whitestone Remnant, and that was one of the most powerful things people gave us feedback on is, boy, I connected with people from my own city. And speaking of which, that's part of what SWAT prayer wants to do connect an army of soldiers for God around North America, or really around the globe. But to start off with, let's just focus on the 50 states and all the provinces. If you haven't listened to my latest roughly nine minute show that I did talking specifically about what you need to do to join, you need to listen to that. That too is linked below. It gives you instructions. And again, be looking for updates over there at SWATprayer.com. Stick around Monday because I'm hoping to have my show on mind control done. It is one that you are not going to want to miss. Very powerful stuff. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless.